going on, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Dream Team Podcast. I am your host, Jake Schultz, and I'm here with two other people here to my left, which you can't see, is Spencer Kloss. Say hello. Hello, everyone. There you go. That was very natural. <laughs> and to my right is uh, Zulfi Shake. Hello. Yeah, so we have three students here at Centennial College. Not that anyone cares, um, but we basically thought, you know, we talk basketball a lot in the program. We kind of piss everyone off every once in a while because we just consistently keep talking about basketball. And everyone's very much so a Leaf fan in this program, it feels like. This is true. So we're kind of like the outliers. And we were like, you know what? Might as well start a podcast. Might as well talk about basketball because got a lot of shit to say. We do have a lot of shit to say. We and do. We, we need somebody to care and listen to it. Yeah. So we might have thought, hey, let's start this thing. And uh, no better way now because we are close to the NBA Finals. Starts in uh, about a week or so, I believe, yeah, on June the first. first, I believe, yeah. Yeah, and we just saw one team finally punch their ticket to the NBA Finals. Look at that segue. I'm already learning so well on this <laughs> thing. One team punched their way to the NBA Finals, and then is the Denver Nuggets. It's the first time that they made the NBA Finals in their entire existence. It's pretty cool. Uh, it was a back-and-forth game against the Lakers last night. Final score was 113-111 where the Lakers seemingly had control the entire first half with um, a dominant performance from Mr. Mr. Old himself, LeBron James. Not looking so old last night. Turned that clock back, at least for a half. Um, 31 points. Yeah, all f- except for like six seconds because he just like had to go to the locker room with like four seconds left in the game. I thought, I thought that was funny just to see him like running back. And I'm like, oh, he's gone. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had 31 points in the first half. They looked so good up by 14 um and then they just kind of have been doing what they did the whole series and just kind of stopped being so dominant and just kind of fell back into their old ways and just holding back lebron wasn't attacking at all in the third and i think that's probably just because he was tired um and they just lost control they had a 7-0 run the nuggets had a 7-0 run to start the quarter never really recovered from there it was back and forth but it just kind of felt like Jokic was taking over and that's pretty much what happened. The Lakers lost. They have been swept. They are out. Uh, I'll come to you first, Zulfi. What was your initial reactions watching that game last night? I, th- I think two things stuck out. Like, you said LeBron in the third just stopped attacking as much. So, like, that's what stuck out to me. Because on that final play when he went for that uh, layup and dr- driving in, I'm like, if you haven't been attacking for about a quarter and a half, yeah. you're not really going to have the legs and the ability under you to just – make this play happen. Yep. I think that plus Jokic taking over, it was just so deflating for the <laughs> Lakers if you were a Laker fan because you're just like, come on, this guy couldn't miss. He is what LeBron was a couple years ago, just taking over games. LeBron still has those moments in him, but Jokic is clearly in his prime and he's showing it. And like as a Lakers fan, I'm sure you were just like, what else are we supposed to do here? Clearly they left it all on the table. They put everything into this effort and then for yep. it to still fall short just shows the type of dominance this Nuggets team is and that that last drive by Jokic just, oh, it's just pure bully ball and that is everything you want from a number one on your team you can't ask for more than that no you honestly can't and he got his another triple double last night it's his eighth of yeah. the postseason breaking Will Chamberlain's records which has stood for like what 60 years oh yeah <laughs> and just like that gone um it yeah they're it's ridiculous watching what Jokic can do. You look at him and you're just like, oh, this guy can't really. He does, like if you were a casual player or fan and watching the NBA and you see Jokic, you're like, this guy can't be 
This guy can't be a top five player, can he? He literally looks like a driveway dad. Yeah. Like every dad in the driveway shoots like Jokic, the baseline <laughs> spin move, reverse layup, like the Larry Bird jump shot. Like you ask somebody to play basketball for the first time, they'll look like Nikola Jokic, but yeah. Jokic is good. It's yeah. insane. It doesn't make sense. Uh, well, I, I, in my eyes, he's probably the best player in the world right now. I don't know how many other people are on that bandwagon yet because I know there's still people that are like, oh, Giannis. And I, I love Giannis as a player. I think he's fantastic. But Jokic is just what he does night in and night out. Like he's just averaging a triple double in the postseason. Who does that? Literally, who does that? Like it's ridiculous with the efficiency and everything. Uh, Spencer, what did you think about last night? Um, Thanks, Siri. She's just talking. I do yeah. not sound like, like a robot. Spencer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Spencer and I get Siri. Uh, no, well, you know, first episode, working out with some kinks. Of course. Um, I feel like sometimes it's very easy to forget that LeBron James is 38 years old. Yeah. Uh, watching him play basketball. So I just want to start, get that out of the way. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, I'm so happy for these Denver Nuggets. Um, yeah. Especially guys like Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, and Jokic, of course. For finally, you know, sticking with it and getting over that hump. Yeah, it's been years that this team is trying to get over that hump. Uh, I just think that the, the depth—they've all grown as players recently. I, I like you can really see, it, especially Jamal Murray. Like I know everyone kind of dismisses the bubble a lot, um, but he was him and Donovan Mitchell just going at it back and forth in that series. He's kind of just completely turned the clock back to that, and he's been such an exciting player to watch. Yeah, of course. He had all those injury problems, yeah. and uh, it seems like he's finally back to 100%, which is awesome to see because last time we saw him at 100% was the bubble, and yeah. he was absolutely lighting it up. Uh, he looked like he was on pace to be a top five, maybe, point guard in the league. Yeah. Um, and now he's finally back there, and he's absolutely balling, and it's awesome to see he's a Canadian. Yeah, especially uh, from Kitchener-Waterloo. Kitchener's you, finest. Yeah, Kitchener's fine. You don't really hear those a lot. And <laughs> now, like, I, I'm from Kitchener-Waterloo, so it's pretty cool to see someone like that. And then you also look at the media. You have Blackberry that just came out. Kitchener is, like, on a heater right now. And it's, that's the weirdest thing to say because nothing else I could say before that <laughs> led if, into if that. you said, like, even three years ago that in 2023 Blackberry would have a movie <laughs> coming out and Jamal Murray would be going to the NBA Finals, you would think I'm insane. Yeah. Man, that just shows where we're at right now. Kitchener's uh, on a heater. You probably would have thought Jamal Murray got traded to, like, <laughs> the Lakers or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. I it's, been, it's just been so exciting to watch this Nuggets team finally get over that hump, like you said. Uh, I think Contavious Caldwell-Pope is also an unsung hero to this team. Yeah. I, like, him leaving and joining this team was like probably the best thing for him because he's really grown as like one, a spot up shooter, which he wasn't really being utilized like that as too much in the Lakers, if I remember correctly. Uh, but also just like the depth, he just kind of rounds out that team, I think with like, they were missing that one guy off the bench that could just like shoot, get that ball in the net. I think Paul Caldwell has filled that. Yeah, he's, he's made a reputation for himself before the show. I was telling Spencer as well that like, He's done it with the Lakers, won a championship. If he yeah. does it again with the Nuggets, he's in, in that realm of, like, your P.J. Tucker, Trevor yeah. Ariza back in the day. Just these solid, reliable guys who can plug and play on any team. Mm. He already solidified himself, I think, to have a long NBA career, but this just puts him in another category where teams will just look at him and be like, we can sign this guy. It doesn't really matter. He'll fit in no matter what. And I think that just goes to show how much work he's put into this. Shift to the Lakers a little bit. Because uh, everyone's kind of talking about them again today because, you know, that's kind of what U.S. media does is they just focus on LeBron instead of, you know, the team that actually won. King James. Um, but, but, but there's been a bit of um, 
fans are a little curious of things that LeBron said last night with him saying, well, I don't know how much longer this is going to be at it, and that Chris Haynes put out an article about how LeBron's contemplating retirement. I personally don't know how much I buy into that. I don't really see LeBron retiring this year. What about you guys? What do you think? I personally don't see it. Um, I think once the summer kicks off, I think we'll get pretty quick news that he's going to play next season. Yeah. I think there's a lot of emotions. Um, I think there's a bit of tension building up between him and Bronny because a lot recently he has been saying that now he he will, would love to play with Bronny, but yeah. he accepts the fact that maybe Bronny doesn't want that. <laughs> And that's the first time he said that. Now he said it two fa- or three times. A little father-son dynamite going on. So I think do. Uh, spicy in the James family. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think LeBron has that in the back of his mind that he needs to play until Bronny's in the league, which mm-hmm. is why I think maybe we're getting some of this retirement talk after last night. But watching him play, it's, just, it's very hard to see him stepping away from the game. He's still so good. Like He's still a top. 15 player in the NBA every night. Yeah, I mean, like, you can't really argue that anymore. Like, people were, like, I don't know why the narrative of LeBron can't go anymore was coming up in the conference finals when this is the furthest he's been. It made it to the playoffs in two years. He's 38. Like, he played 48 minutes last night. Wait, I don't know what more people really wanted for him. He can't sustain that level of intensity the whole game. And, like, he wasn't really getting help anywhere else. Like, they threw Rui Hachimura into the starting lineup last night because D'Angelo Russell has been uh, people were saying he was going to get a, a bag this year, and then that died down real fast once that, the conference finals. That bag came is going to be a lot smaller. Yeah, um, and they were playing minutes. Tristan Thompson. Like, <laughs> he looked okay, to be fair. Okay, because he was at the ESPN desk like three weeks ago, and now he's playing <laughs> in the conference finals. It's because LeBron loves feeding him down low, so, so he gets funny. his. He gets his, but. Yeah, he but, should not be on an NBA roster. No offense, Tristan Thompson. <laughs> I don't understand how a team that was felt like they had so much depth after they traded Westbrook away, and they rode that depth into the conference finals. And let's be honest, no one thought they would be this far. Yeah. And it's already an accomplishment in itself, the Lakers series and the season in general. And I, I know people are going to be, oh, well, they got swept. But let's be let's be honest, the Nuggets are a better team, and they probably should have done that to begin with. It's just weird looking at a team that gains so much depth, like Rui Hachimura. You got Dennis Schroeder back in there. You got D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, and then you have Malik Beasley, and all of them basically go ghost. Yeah, it just it just shows the playoffs are a different beast, right? Your your rotations get tighter. Yeah. There's a lot less like just freedom of play. It's a lot tighter. Fouls don't get called as often, so. You're, it's a different beast this all together. Like, you just see that why guys like LeBron thrive in that environment because they just understand that the playoffs are going to be different. Yep. And I'll, not everyone's cut out for it. Like, I hope D'Angelo Russell can turn it around, but he clearly just uh, – the lights were too bright, as Jared Allen would say. Yeah. Uh, and he just wasn't able to handle it. And I think the Lakers are going to really have to reevaluate this, uh, this roster yep. going into next season because they have these so-called pieces. <laughs> but if they're not there – because like, the Lakers aren't playing for regular season rewards anymore, right? Like no. you have LeBron at the end of his career or Anthony Davis is in his prime. Like you're playing for chips. And if a roster is not good enough in the playoffs, then really what good does it do you? So I think they're going to have to ask a lot of questions. And uh, in terms of LeBron questioning his retirement, I think I'm with you guys. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think he was like baiting the narrative a little bit to make sure it wasn't on him on the sweep talk. And today he came out and said, like, I still feel like I'm uh, in the top like 
I'm better than 95%, 90% of the league, so like, yeah. why would I retire? So I think even he's backtracked a little bit on that. I think when you look at the roster construction for next year, like there's so many of their guys that they've gained at the deadline that probably aren't going to be there. Like D'Angelo Russell, I don't think they're going to keep him. I think they'll let him walk. Um, but you have Malik Beasley, who's on. They've got this club. They've got his bird rights. So we'll see what happens with that. But Lonnie Walker, Rui Hachimura is an RFA. Dennis Schroeder is a UFA. You have Austin Reeves as a UFA. Uh, RFA, sorry. And Tristan Thompson's a UFA, just in case. Like, you know, <laughs> that, that one's the most important one. I'm bringing yeah, him back. Yeah, th- th- this team is going to look different next year. I don't know how many of those players, aside from Rui and Austin Reeves, that like you really should be trying to get back. I don't even think the Lakers are going to keep Austin Reeves. I don't think, it's just how much money he's going to get. You all, you know there's going to be a team, knowing that he's an RFA, is just going to throw him a bag of a contract, and the <laughs> Lakers are going to have to decide if they're matching it or not. And like, there's gonna be teams out there that can spend spend money. I know, like, like the Spurs is a random team, especially Wemby coming in. Like, they have a lot of cap space; yep. they can do something ridiculous like that. Uh, but yeah, like Reeves is gonna get the bag. But like, like, even a guy like Lonnie Walker, he gave you a game. He yep. helped you win. But like, for most of the regular season and the series, he was a ghost. But like, he's intriguing, I guess. But is that is that enough to get you over the hump? Who knows? Yeah, I honestly, it's it's an interesting perspective on everything because i i think like a team like the magic like you were saying is just going to come and just offer austin reeves a bag and i think he, he kind of deserves it after the game that like the way he's been playing this year has been by far and away like ridiculous like he, he was a two-way player yeah. I, I don't understand how this guy is this good this fast to getting consistent minutes in the playoffs playing 41 minutes last night playing well he's a sharpshooter i think a team will throw it a throw bag at him too it's just it's interesting to think what this team could look like say lebron does retire okay then what do you do with anthony davis like that's in itself like that's a massive thing and in general people are already having discussions like okay this is the healthiest anthony davis has been in two years god that's not saying much no but like he's been healthier even though he was questionable i think every game this (laughs) (laughs) this, this, whole season yeah basically (laughs) uh do you move him? Like, if LeBron comes back, how much more longevity does this core of LeBron and AD really get you? Like, I think you got to start having those conversations. Like, is it? But is anyone going to take Anthony Davis also? So with Anthony Davis only having two years left on his contract, yeah, I think if they bring LeBron, I think if LeBron does come back, I think they probably run it back and try to sign a point guard. I know that Trey Young's been rumored. There's obviously the Kyrie Irving. I don't know if either of those are going to happen. I think both players just want it to happen. Oh, yeah. Because they – how many times have we seen Kyrie just at the games this year? And same with <laughs> – Trey was just sitting courtside. And then the report comes out later in the night that, oh, yeah, Trey Young – their Lakers are talking internally about getting Trey Young to the Lakers. Like, I don't think that's happening, but – I don't think so either. But it definitely <laughs> is intriguing and yeah. fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, it's, the media, it's the media circle just spinning narratives, right? Basically, Trey Young sitting there holding up a sign, being like, "Come get me," and then reports come out right after. I don't think that's coincidence. No. But like, yeah, I think like the Lakers, they're basically at a point where they're like, "We'll worry about that, or we'll cross that bridge when we get there," because you're in such a unique spot. You have 38-year-old LeBron, who's maybe like what two years from retiring, three years max, but he's still playing so well yeah. so you know he's going to contribute and then you have anthony davis who's in his prime but is also like has injury questions so like i think they don't have much of a choice outside of like ride this wave until we get to the point where the wheels fall off and then it's like all right we'll figure it out because like 
I don't think it's palatable to say that we're gonna trade Anthony Davis and blow this whole thing up because like they're really not that far removed from being a lottery bin team and having LeBron and Anthony Davis really come save them for a season. Yeah, they got one championship out of it. So like to say they're gonna go back to that like like in less than ten years of this like I think would be something not a lot of Lakers fans are gonna gonna be on board for. No, I think also. Um there's been a lot of reports that they're, they're unsure if they're going to even bring their coach back next year. Like I, I, that to me feels absurd. I think like I, I don't really know why you would move on from them. And that kind of segues me a little bit into the coach movements. Yeah. Um, and this has been a topic that's kind of been, um, I don't know. Grinding my gears is really the right term to be using, but like it's kind of annoyed me that the league has transitioned a lot of its um, superstar players and people having such a say over these coaches getting fired. And, like, this is movements you never saw. And I don't know if you guys disagree or not, but, like, you, you didn't see this six years ago. Like, you, you haven't seen coaches just, like, getting the ax off of one season. That's kind of, like questionable but even then you have regular season success I, like you've seen Mike Boonholzer get fired which I I'd say what you want about Boonholzer I think that was but Nick Nurse Nick Nurse getting fired kind of understandable but also kind of strange because you won a championship with him four years ago he's a coach of the year the year after you had the Tampa year which didn't count and then they made playoffs with a rookie and then this year obviously you can say what you want about the season but what are your guys thoughts on all of these coach movements around and all, oh joe missoula also might get fired <laughs> too like throw that one out in there also we'll see what happens tonight yeah uh what do you guys think of all of that i think from my perspective it's it's a bit of a byproduct of what the league has done in terms of empowering players i yeah. think it's important to empower players and they obviously like run the league at the end of the day but like this idea that players now are able to demand trades they're able to like get out of you have players who are on like four-year deals but still saying like i want out and go to another team like even though the team has all the leverage technically they don't anymore because it's so player driven yeah so it makes everyone's timeline shorter so like you have these superstar players and like if you're not getting results it's just it's almost panic button right away and i think because of that coaches are getting let go sooner than they probably should I think a big thing that's being forgotten in a lot of that is that coaches like players need to learn over time. They need right. to learn rosters. They need to learn to develop. Like Eric Spolstra has had multiple iterations of this team. There, LeBron at one point was kind of questioning Eric Spolstra. Pat Riley was like, LeBron, you get out of here. Like, we were sticking with Spolstra. Like that's how committed God. he was. And look at them. Like they've been to seven conference finals in like 14 seasons. Like that just shows that like, you let a coach develop and work things, work through the kinks. Like, they can be good. Like, it's no surprise that, like, the, some of the best coaches in the league had down years and they're able to bounce back. That was part of their story arc, right? But, like, you have, like, Nick Nurse. Like, Frank Vogel's already not a coach for the Lakers. They won a championship. Yeah, and, like, yeah that. You know what I mean? Like, you have all these championship-winning coaches that, like, they're like, oh, if we don't keep Giannis happy, like, we have to figure something out. Like, we're going to lose him too. So, like, I think it's almost out of fear that mm -hmm. they're kind of making these moves. And, like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a leak that comes out that, like, after the – Suns got swept that maybe uh, KD or Booker said something about it so I think that's just a big part of it and it's unfortunate because coaches need to be given more time to develop culture develop uh, just roster tendencies and things like that and and learn yeah the Monty Williams one is kind of the one that bugs me the most I I like Monty Williams I don't think he's a top tier coach um, but also he took this roster to the NBA finals two years ago without Kevin Durant um, 
and now you're just like given the axe because what you lose in six games i think it was in the second round i like i i something about it doesn't sit right with me what do you think i think it's i mean so they traded away their two of their two two of their best defensive players for kevin durant (laughs) and then they're and then they fire monty williams because their defense sucked and So it's like, what it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like, what are you expecting at that point? Exactly. I think Zulfi nailed it with his last point of it just being a fear thing with all this movement with players and free agency over the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Owners are extremely scared to lose their players, which means they lose ticket sales, merch sales. Um, they lose a whole bunch of money. So to keep players happy, they're always going to be the last person to blame, I think, going forward. I think if a, someone like Kevin Durant... You just got him from Phoenix. If he maybe, like Zolfi said, said something after the game, they're going to have his back 100% because now they don't want to lose Kevin Durant. They know how easy it is to lose Kevin Durant, yep. so they don't want to lose him. They think someone else can come in and fill the role Monty played, and I don't know if they're going to find somebody that's going to be much better with that roster, but that's just the way the league's I, going. It's player-driven. So kind of on that, after the Bucks got swept... Yeah. Giannis comes out and he's like, I think I should have guarded Jimmy Butler, but I got to trust the coach. And, you know, it's it almost like questioning the decision a little bit. He thought he should have been guarding Butler in that series. You think if he doesn't say that, Boonholder's still their coach? I, I think it's a, it's a tough thing to balance. I think you're right, though. Giannis saying that probably did have some type of impact on it. And maybe it was time to just move past Boonholder because we've seen that yeah, he's when it comes to playoffs, he's not really the most successful coach, aside from him winning the championship. Like, <laughs> and I think people also tend to forget that too, right? Like, this team just won two years ago. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's I, I I think it's just a product of seeing what other teams are doing at the same time. Like, I think people are just so they just want to move. The people are just wanting constant movement within teams, and you're like, yeah, you know what? The roster construction is not working. Let's switch the coach up and see if that happens. And I think a perfect example of that is. The Raptors, like Nick Nurse, let's be honest, had his issues, but he was a scapegoat firing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of that is locker room getting that because it's very obvious that the locker room was kind of lost towards that end of the season. 100%. The Raptors are just like the most interesting in terms of all of this with coaches in general because they're also just – doing their due diligence and apparently interviewing everyone for the job. <laughs> you got J.J. Redick getting interviewed, Becky Hammond. I don't think she got interviewed, but there was reports of her possibly getting an interview. I don't know if there's, well, since the since everything that's going on with the, their suspension, I, mean, I don't know. They're much interviewing that. podcasters, so we may as well put our resumes in yeah, there because after interview, this episode, Jake. it's official. We're in the mix. Yeah, sorry. I forgot to mention that I also have been interviewed by the Toronto <laughs> Raptors. So in case this thing sh- cuts short after the first episode, you'll know where I ended up going. Did you impress them like Steve Nash did? <sighs> that, okay. <laughs> that wording is so funny. He impressed, impressed What did he it say like to impress them? I don't know. I also don't – I like Steve Nash as a player. I – what – what does he offer as a coach? I'm not sure we actually know because I'm not, I'm not sure that he made many decisions when he was head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Hey, he offers but, a um, good hug, though. That hug to Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant made that shot against the Bucks, Like, he basically – he can do that. He can be a nice, fun guy on your team, I guess. I think, he was, I think he was their babysitter for a bit. I seriously think that was his role. Like, he didn't – it didn't seem like he had any say over anything that that team did, and then they wonder why they weren't successful. 
They're letting was, Kevin are, Durant run the team. Views are babysitter. He kind of sucked at that too because they, they were not kept in check quite often. Could you imagine if Kevin Durant didn't step on the line? Like that is the butterfly effect of oh, all of so this. Like, Steve Nash is still he's probably an NBA champion head coach. Yeah. And the, like the Bucks don't have a championship. Boonholzer gets fired earlier. Yeah, like KD has a ring. Kyrie has a second ring, but KD's got one without the super team. Like Yeah, they broke the narrative. James Harden has a ring. Like, oh yeah, well that's the big one right there. Like, oh my god, that that's a that's got to be in like maybe the top 10 like what ifs. Do we want to talk about James Harden? Do we, do we want to go down that route of him possibly going back to Houston? Because I don't know what to say. There's so much fire to that that I think it's it has to be true at this point. I would love to break it down and analyze it for you, but I, I don't understand. It's, so. it's it, just deflating hearing that because like if he does that, he's basically saying I don't care about winning a ring. No, and I, I get the hiring of Udoka is kind of forcing their hand to be competitive but they don't nearly have the roster to be competitive no, not even close the timeline's not adding up at all and then you think okay well if they get james harden even you saw green saying that this would probably be a positive and a negative for the team that's your franchise star player young star player right now that's saying that i i don't i don't get it personally and no one gets it but <laughs> like what what do they what do they do I think I get the point because like the narrative for a lot of the season before this was also like they need to bring in veteran like leadership. Eric Gordon was there, but he was kind of like I need to contribute. This team is full of a bunch of kids, and I can't do it. So they need veteran leadership. They had John Wall for a little bit too. (laughs) John Wall hated his life there too, apparently. But he also like sent some strays on his way out in a couple podcasts, just bullying the team. Yeah, he got Uh, he got traded back there though. Yeah, (laughs) that was his reward. But like, so I understand this idea that a veteran like mentor is important, but like. I don't think Vince, um, Vince, uh, James Harden fits that role completely. Say it, Vince. Vince, yeah, Vince, Vince, Vince Carter. Carter. I mean, he would actually be perfect. <laughs> Vince Carter would be the perfect leader to be on this bench. He has one more in him. Tell him to come back. Get like uh, a Haslam type role. Yeah, for Vince like Carter. literally, you need a Haslam type of guy on this team to keep them in check. Yeah. Especially since they're so young and like have a bit of like fire and fight in him. Like again, PJ Tucker is the kind of guy I think of. James Harden, he's never been like a super vocal leader. Anytime he's been seen like talking to players on the bench they haven't really seemed to be responding well no. like you've seen him with chris paul you saw him with uh his uh sixers teammates maybe ignoring him a little bit like it's just he doesn't have that like cachet as a leader i would say so no. i think as a veteran president especially since he's such a high usage player like taking the ball out of your young player's hands like you said jake like the timelines don't add up either no so there's some credence to this idea of a veteran guard or veteran leader coming, but I don't think James Harden is the guy for that. Do you think they move Green if they get Harden? Do you then try to build around Harden? As insane as this sounds, <laughs> that this is coming out of my mouth, it's a very real possibility. Look, I, I, w- I would say it's insane to take the second overall pick in, like, what, like a second year, third year? Like, and just. It'd be his third, his yeah. Third, and just move on from him for. Uh, God knows a 30-some-year-old James Harden who's clearly at the end of his career. Okay, but, but like, the thing that, that's throwing me off is he quit on that team. I think people are forgetting that he quit on Houston. Yeah, and yeah. he complained his way off that team. Yeah, he forced his way out. Why would they be so willing to take that back when he they had built a team? Yeah, they weren't probably a championship team because they were trying to get over that hump, but they just couldn't do it. Yeah. And then they just... 
they want him back now after it's they. Tell, it's, it's Tillman Fertitta. He's he's a he's a weird owner. He cares about money more than anything, All and he's made it very clear that like, no offense to him, but he's a bit of a cheap owner. Yeah. So if he's losing money and people aren't coming to watch the Rockets, what's going to drive sales more than bringing back their franchise cornerstone and the guy who was the face of their team for like, uh, like probably like eight plus years. So I think that's probably a big reason why. Like T- Tillman's probably pushing this, if I had to guess, to bring a guy back, sell tickets, and quite honestly, he hasn't cared about making money because if he did, no. he'd put a better roster together. That would be the most mid-roster ever. <laughs> that Houston Rockets team right now, add James Harden. They'd probably move like Kevin Porter Jr. to the bench, and they would just be a load of mid. If you went to like the ESPN tracker, you know how like after trades, it's like plus minus wins? I bet you it's still like minus three wins adding James Harden. I don't think they, they win more games. I I doubt it. Like like we everyone was saying, what what does he add anymore? They have Boban. I forgot about that. Boban's just rotting over just on that there. team. He's just probably practicing for the next John Wick movie. They haven't even figured out how to use Jabari um, Smith yet. I was going to say Jabari Parker. Oh, my God. That's a massive <laughs> throw. That's a massive throw. We've talked about year. veteran presidents. Like, Jabari <laughs> Parker out there. Maybe that's what they need. Yeah, I don't know. I, I That, was I think, was the craziest thing that I heard midway through the season, too, because the season wasn't even done. I think we were, like, three-quarters of the way through the season, and then we get the reports. I was like, oh, he's seriously considering coming back. And you're like, okay, if Philly reads that, too, like, that probably put way more pressure on them. They're like, oh, we got to do this. And then, yeah, what happened with Doc Rivers and all that, and they blow it I wonder early. if they, if Philly, because you said if Philly feels more pressure. I don't know. If I was Philly, I'd be like, okay, bye. Like, yeah. you did give up to stuff to, to get, but, like, really, would you give up Ben Simmons? You're not feeling bad about giving him up now. So, like, do again, look at the Nuggets and Jokic. Like you set up a team around him. Obviously, Jamal Murray's a star, but that's a guy they drafted. I feel like Tyrese Maxey is closer to playing the Jamal Murray role for uh, Embiid than Harden is for like Embiid. What you know what I mean? So like that's Jamal. That's and, crazy, but I also get it at the same time. Right? Like I think a young dynamic guard to pair with the big. I like that a lot more than a high usage guard like James Harden, who's gonna suck the ball away. And just not let Embiid cook. Like I think Maxi's the guy you have to build around with Embiid. I would move on from Harden because that'd give you space to really like flush out this lineup. Because like there are so many parallels between Philly and Denver if you look at it. Tobias Harris is your Aaron Gordon MPJ role. You have Tyrese Maxi that can be your Jamal Murray. You have obviously Embiid and Jokic. You get a good coach in there. You add all these extra depth pieces that are good defenders instead of having the Anthony Melton's of their world. And your, um, <laughs> what do you mean? You don't want Melton on this? <laughs> you have guys like Furkan, Korkmaz, and all those dudes. Like hey, no, Korkmaz tried to get out. Don't forget about that. He requested <laughs> he a trade. He requested a trade. So he, he doesn't want part of that team. He, he saw the collapse coming beforehand. No, I think you're right. I, I, I think Philly should move on from Harden. Um, and pairing him with Maxi, like letting Maxi take over as that second option, is a pretty interesting. That's I think that's an interesting dynamic. I I don't know if Maxi is that level yet though to really have that number two role. So I wonder. Not that there's really any good free agents out there right now. If Philly tries to explore maybe moving Maxi to get. A piece around Embiid if Harden does leave because I've also seen that getting thrown around a lot. Uh, that Maxi would be a really good trade bait. I think a lot of people would bite on him. I think you'd probably get a pretty decent haul for him. For sure. I know if I'm the Raptors, I would be looking at that to see if I could get Maxi. Hundred uh, percent. I I don't know. I think Philly has an intriguing offseason in general. I think that it's really 
you the what the process has been going on for how many years now? Ten. The process process is dead at this point. Ten years at least. And with Embiid, who hasn't really shown the capabilities of being there in the playoffs, sorry, it is what it is. He's he's not he, reliable. No, he hasn't shown me the aggression that he has for an MVP player to be really that number one unstoppable force. As crazy as that sounds, I'd, I, he doesn't feel like a number one guy on that team. Who would have thought that Jokic would be the more aggressive of the two? In this like in this playoff run, like remember even earlier this year, like everyone was always on Jokic for his aggressiveness, and he always was passing up shots. Yep. And now this playoffs, now it seems to be Embiid's the one who's not playing aggressive, and then there's Jokic that's bullying people, and you finally using his massive size and getting inside and doing exactly what Embiid should do. So it's kind of crazy that the way the the roles have reversed. I just want to say that. Sorry. Yeah, it's uh. It's interesting looking back now at the MVP votes. I know it's a regular season award and everything like that, but seeing how fast Embiid folded and having P.J. Tucker come up to your face and yelling at you to be more <laughs> aggressive is kind of damning. Yeah, like this just that's Embiid in the playoffs. Though. Yeah. Like, kind of like you said, like if you have like an old Marcus Gasol in that Raptors run, you have Al Horford and these guys being able to stop you, like that, that says a lot. Like Embiid was struggling against Al Horford. <laughs> Jokic just took it to Anthony Davis to seal a game four series sweep. You know what I mean? Like, there's levels to he this. He dragged two guys on this way yeah. that net. <laughs> so, like, the thing about Embiid is, like, he's such a great player, but I think it's just there's too much around him where there's all these random excuses, like, during his playoff runs. He has a tweak of an injury. He's yeah. not, he, how many playoff runs has he had where he's had a flu or an illness oh, way through a it, series? It feels like every, you know what every I mean? single like, thing like, there's what, something. Get this guy a nutritionist or something. Like, what's going <laughs> on here? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why is it every playoffs? Like, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but, like, clearly something during playoff time doesn't go right for him. And uh, it's a, definitely a combination of coaching, health, everything. But, like... He's it, it's gotten to the point where, like, yeah, like you really don't know what to think of him come playoff time, but that's when you win an MVP and you're that caliber of player, that's the only time we're going to evaluate you. The regular season, as of now, means nothing for Joel Embiid anymore. Yeah. Like, it's all going to be about his postseason, which is why, again, I go back to the Maxi thing. Like, you guys have to build something here. You bring another talented player and all start joining him to try to build chemistry, build something. Like, Maxi's been here for a couple of years, and I know he's young and he has to develop a bit more, but I think, like, Give him and Embiid the reins to work together and build a one-two combo, especially in the pick-and-roll game. Like, I think there's magic in the bottle there that they can kind of unleash a little bit, and they need to be given the opportunity to do that. I, I Yeah, like you said, there's just a lot of questions around this team, but Embiid is obviously going to be the one to have to answer a lot of those at the end of the day. Isn't it crazy how people kind of just don't talk about Tobias Harris that much as a second option, even though that was their main guy? You picked Tobias Harris over me? Yeah. <laughs> that Jimmy Butler line is going to be with him for the rest of his life. Oh, He's it's been pretty bad since yeah. that. Yeah. And I remember back in the days, everyone was looking back at that contract, be like, oh, yeah, that, that made sense. And then Siakam gets it, and I was like, what? It's blasphemy. <laughs> Why would you ever do that? And then now look at the two. It's basically just been night and day difference between the two. Do you buy the smoke of Nick Nurse going to that team? After everything that Embiid has said about this guy and how much Nick Nurse is – Constantly complaining, which is so ironic coming from him. That that's why I buy it because yeah. of all the drama. NBA is so chaotic. There's so much drama, but like the biggest issue I've seen, like if I had to just use one word for it for the Philadelphia's problem, accountability. 
No one has ever been holding themselves accountable. Doc Rivers never did it. Joel and sure as hell never did it. James Harden didn't really do it. Joel said a little bit after these playoffs saying that I need to be better and James has to be better. But like for the most part, there's always some kind of excuse. Nick Nurse holds people accountable. Sometimes to a fault. That might have been part of why he lost the locker room. But hey, it won him a championship. If they can have a guy like Nick Nurse come in and hold people accountable instead of holding their hands, like I think that's what Joel Embiid needs. He needs a kick in the ass, and I think Nick Nurse is the guy that will give it to him. And if Joel Embiid can respond the right way, I think they will be a fierce duo as a coach and a player. I think like I like the tandem because there's a lot of spice there. There's a mm-hmm. lot of feistiness, which this team clearly needs, and like I think Nick is going to be the guy to unlock them. I think they'd just be the most annoying duo <laughs> in the league. <laughs> Everyone would hate them. Like, you just see Nick Nurse squatting over there and his <laughs> hands up in the air with mouth wide open. Then you see Embiid also hands wide open, just going nuts. Yeah, I, I think it's it's an interesting idea. I don't know how much Nick Nurse is going to have to change his schemes in order to fit this team because, let's face it, Embiid is not playing the roaring, chaotic style transitional defense to offense style that the Raptors did so well because yeah. that team – for all of its stamina and everything like that, got ran into the ground after four years, but they also were able to sustain that for four years. Like Siakam and OG have some of the best cardio in the league and Scotty as well, and people don't talk about that at all. MB doesn't really have that. The guy, does, I don't think, has ever sniffed over 40 minutes a game. No. So I, I wonder how much all of that is going to have to change how much Nick Nurse is going to have to adjust that, or if they're really just, like you said, Embiid, Nick Nurse is just going to kick Embiid in the ass and be like, get going, buddy. Get working on that cardio. If I know anything about Nick Nurse is that he loves to play his stars, like almost Tom <laughs> Thibodeau-esque. <laughs> so I actually don't think it'd be a great fit. I think by playoff time, I think Embiid would be more tired than he already is. Yeah. I think Nick Nurse would ex- expect a lot out of him, which I think would be good for him, but I don't think it would be good for his knees. So... I think Nick Nurse will end up with Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, personally, I don't think anywhere is a terrible fit for Nick Nurse as long as they're a contender and have the pieces to kind of play the scheme that he likes to play. I think that's very important for Nick. I don't think he would be successful coaching a team that's at the bottom. Well, and that's why those reports of him going to the Rockets early in the season was really weird because I was like, okay, if Harden went back, okay, sure, but then we're discussing that point. But. Mm-mm. I, I, yeah, Nick Nurse on the Bucks was really my first thought when Nick Nurse got fired. And then when they fired Boonholzer, I was like, okay, well, that makes the most natural sense, in my opinion. Like, Giannis and Drew on the, with Nick Nurse feels disastrous for everyone else. That's got to make every Raptors fan just throw up a little bit. Yeah. Like, you lose your championship winning coach. I, just, I think a lot of fans can agree that it's not that Nick was a bad coach. It's that he just wasn't the fit anymore for this team. So you lose that guy. And then he goes to play for the Bucks, who are just in your conference, but also have the guy that every Raptors fan wanted in Giannis. And instead, he joined your coach joins them and could honestly put together a dynasty, like with the type of coach that Nick is and the type of player and roster that the Bucks have. Like that has just got to make you throw up a little bit. I think it's the most realistic option, to be honest. I think a coach like Monty would be really good on Philly, in my opinion. I don't think he necessarily will get the kick out of the Embiid's ass, but. I also kind of believe that Embiid doesn't want that. Oh, he does. He definitely doesn't want that. But I think he needs it. Yeah. And I think, I think it would also, like you guys said, it would be just hilarious, the whining that would go on. I think they could be the first coach-player <laughs> duo to lead the league in text. Oh, my I God. it would be so funny to have both of them, Nick Nurse and Joel Embiid, together. So I think for the memes alone, but... 
Yeah, I see your point, Spencer, that, like, and, like, Jake, like, that he may not want the kick in the ass or the thing, but, like, I think Nick Nurse showed, like, that championship season especially. He doesn't need to ride players as much as he did years after. Like, again, Kawhi Leonard was load managing a lot of it. You had veteran guys like Mark and, like, Serge Ibaka, like, playing uh, consistent minutes. So, like, if you give him the pieces, I think he can adjust and he won't just ride players into the ground. But, like, when you Hopefully. really have, like... Like, honestly, the Raptors team outside of their, like, core, like, six to eight, they didn't really have much. So, he, like, I feel like it, for him, it was a bit of just, like, being like, well, if you're only going to give me this to work with, I'm going to use it. So, I don't know. I, I see the point, but I think he's a creative enough coach that he could work in any situation, like you guys said. But I think for the memes, I got to see him in Philly. I think the narrative would just be so good. I, that return game to Toronto will be the most toxic game in the world because the fans are going to be so confused Yeah. because the fans have turned on Nick Nurse so fast and that they're going to come back and be like, well, he got us a championship. Oh, but he's now with Joel Embiid and he's, oh, look, he's complaining. And yeah, and I think people are going to quickly realize, oh God, what did the league do? Like Adam Silver should just not allow that, right? (laughs) You know, Embiid would like play it up so much too, right? Like he would... Stand behind Nick Nurse and give him the Drake like massage during the game. You know what I mean? Like Embiid would play the hell out of that, and it would be just great television. Just to troll Raptors fans too, because that guy despises Toronto. He just doesn't like us. He really doesn't. He has PTSD. He yeah. I, I mean, they made him blubble and blubber, blubber <laughs> and cry away during the shot, so it makes sense. But yeah, interesting times for Philly ahead. I think switching gears a little bit, we gotta talk about the other team. That's on the verge of making their second NBA Finals in three years. The number eight seed, the dream team of unfathomable imagination, this Miami Heat team is currently up 3-0 against the best team left in the East, everyone thought, which was the Celtics. I thought so. Who did struggle a lot in the playoffs, but have not struggled to this level. He'd have a chance to put that game away today as the time of recording in just a couple hours. Uh, what do we think of that, of that game, everyone? What? I just got to start by saying, did anyone here think going into the play-in that the Heat would be here right now? Because so, I thought that they were not a good roster this year. I was totally, totally out on them. And the fact that they're doing this to the Celtics right now and just every other team, the Bucks, the Celtics, well, the Knicks, nah. <laughs> but it's just it's just so crazy and like it's made me love the NBA a lot again because I, I really look for parody and I've hated kind of the era of like oh you know that you know who's going to the finals this year yeah I've never really been a fan of that so I'm really really happy that like a team like Miami's done what they've done so far it's just made it more imp- unpredictable again like and I think you're right you, we've been missing that a lot in the league and especially teams of like we're looking at two teams that won't have a super team about to be in the finals. Yeah. Like, when was the last time we've really seen that? I know Suns and Bucks was kind of the kind of an anomaly, but also Giannis was just insane that year. And their team is, quite frankly, built way better than this Heat team. They're they're literally the yeah they're the underdog. They are the definition of an underdog story, and everyone loves an underdog. And it's weird to see how they've turned this up so far. But it, also, you like go okay. Well, this team was also in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And they, they just are back again, but they're looking even better than they did last year. They, they're such a weird team to think about. Like, 
you're and they're missing to, players. Yeah, like Tyler Hero is not there. Like he Ola may Depot be back. Isn't yeah, Ola there. Depot. And the thing I find insane is that we're talking about a potential finals matchup between Denver and Miami. Yeah. And we're looking at it like it's an even matchup, which I th- I think for the most part it is. But like you're talking about a one seed versus an eight seed, an eight seed that was in the play-in. Yeah. Like how bizarre is that? Like it. I feel like everyone's. We're not glossing over it, but no. like you can't like really contextualize how insane it is that an eight seed went through the play-in and not only won a. I think if they won a series, you would have been like tipping your hat to them. But mm. they make it to the one game away from making it to the finals, and then having a like realistic shot in it. Like there's no way you can just. There's not enough respect you can give that roster and that team and like. I think a lot of kudos goes to Eric Spolstra and that coaching staff because, like, the Heat, clearly, if you look at the names on paper, you're like, this team can maybe win 40 games. But, again, they're in the finals, and that's because a guy like Spolstra has had them buy in. Jimmy Butler has had them buy in to this, just grind it out, work hard. They play zone defense a lot of the time, and, like, most NBA rosters, they're playing zone for, like, two minutes. These guys are playing it for almost entire quarters because – like you have to run your ass off and rotate and like put in 110 percent yeah and that's why they're here they understand what their team is and i go back to like building a culture eric spolstra and jimmy butler and bam Adebayo have built a culture for the scene pat riley even has been a part of that this entire time and i think it just shows that no matter how big your names are you need to have the right mentality and the right culture in place and again all the respect to them for that i think the thing that's sticking out the most in this series, aside from Jimmy Butler, and everyone's giving him his flowers. I don't think we can really add too too much more to what we can say about Butler, though, other than he is exactly who he is and how he has been for years now. And everyone just kind of forgot about that during the bubble, and everyone was kind of like, oh, it's – yeah, it's the bubble. It is what it is. But, no, Jimmy Butler has always been that guy. Raptors fans always knew. Yeah. He always torches us. Oh, always. He's always. And, yeah, the three of us are Raptors fans. I guess we didn't preface that earlier. Um, yeah, th- th- this guy is the real deal. Jason Tatum, I think, has been such an interesting case this postseason because in that second round, he had one of his worst shooting games of his career, and he ended that game just torching them the Philly Mm. with three after three after three and then he puts on a monster game seven most points ever in a game seven and then he comes out here plays good and then does nothing in the fourth quarter nothing three games straight zero points I think that that's an example of a team I think these two teams are complete polar opposite I think the Heat have found their culture again and I think the Celtics have almost lost their culture I think a lot of that Jalen Brown drama from a month or two ago is really catching up to them now yeah um I don't know if they're just they just don't seem like they're all in it uh together which is kind of what you need which is what Denver and Miami have shown so well is that they have a culture and that they have one goal as a team I don't know if the Celtics have one goal as a team right now no, I think, like, we also need to look back at what the Celtics team was, like, a year ago. Like, they went to the finals, yes, but remember going into that all-star break, I think around then, they had this players-only meeting, they had so much drama, Marcus <laughs> Smart calling out players. I forgot about that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so they, they've never really had a culture in place. They they, they had, a, they had like, a, this sparker of a run, and then they went to the finals, and they're obviously talented enough to go there. But then what happens in the offseason? You have the Ime Udoka drama. Again, no culture being
being said, you get Joe Mazzula bumped up, and then you're a team with all these expectations because you're just in the finals, but you haven't really developed this identity. You relied a lot on your star players to kind of carry you to as far as you got. But like yeah. again, in the playoffs, you have to play a certain way. You have to really dig deep, and these guys don't have the identity to do that. Like you have Marcus Smart, who maybe tries harder than most people, but like when you're in the middle of your playoff series and all your players are basically asking you to change your rotations on you and asking for Robert Williams, like. And your coach doesn't know yeah. what to do with that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that just, like, if you are a championship contender, that just shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I, well, I don't really know why Robert Williams wasn't starting to begin with because they were, I remember last, yeah, after the players moaning me, they became like the best defense in the league. Because mostly of Robert Williams. Right. And yeah, their <laughs> defense was lacking in the first couple of series, especially within the Atlanta series when they were just, Trey was just torching them and everyone was coming. And everyone's like, oh, okay, they're showing a little bit. And then in Philly, the same thing, their defense. And then they finally put Robert Williams in, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, they can defend. It, it is interesting when you see that. I, I agree. I think they have lost That's with the little culture that they had, the little little to none culture. And I don't think you can really blame Tatum a lot for all that. I just find it strange that he hasn't scored in the fourth quarter yet. Like, that's pretty weird. That like, it is, and especially since the fourth quarter is when he turned it, off, turned it up last series. Um I, I don't know what this Boston team looks like next year if they do get swept. Um, Missoula's gone, which, again, leads into the whole conversation beforehand of us going, oh, yeah, coach is going immediately. But, like, also I kind of I get the Missoula one a little bit. I just I, – I think he – because of the situation with Udoka, like, leaving, they kind of felt like they needed to fill the position quick, so they did it internally. Yeah. I, I don't want to, like, hope that Missoula gets fired, but I think having more time under his belt as an assistant would probably serve him well to then come back. Yeah, I would, just re- I would just revert him. Like, I would yeah, fire I would him, but then I would put him in underneath back into his assistant And, and he again. may not want that, and I respect it, but right. I would offer to revert him back down and then find another coach out there. Yeah. Hey, maybe bring Doc Rivers back. <laughs> hey, you want to go down that road, road eh? I, I wouldn't, but I think just, again... It's I'm, episode I'm, one, I'm, and you've already uh, just made your Doc Rivers hit. L- little quick tip like, about I selfie. I like memes with my coaches. Yeah, like Doc he, Rivers back with Celtics. he is the biggest Doc River hater I've ever met in my uh, life. I love hating on that, man. He's the most overrated coach of all time. The fact that he's in the top 15 coaches of all time is a travesty. I never want to see that guy on the Well, you list. don't like his Game 7 record? <laughs> I don't think he likes his Game 7 <laughs> But wait, if you ask him, he'll blame everyone else and have an excuse for losing Game 7s other than the fact that he just did a bad job as he'll, coach. He'll blame Ben Simmons for losing in L.A. or something. <laughs> back, back to the Celtics, he, like... Do you think it ends tonight, or do you think? The I don't think it ends tonight. I think the Celtics win tonight. Yeah. I also thought the Lakers were going to win last night, though. Yeah. So I might not be the best person to ask, but I do think the Celtics take a game tonight. I think with so much out there right now, they kind of have to win a game. Um, I think that the players don't want to go home. Obviously, like it's the Eastern Conference Finals. I I get their backs are against the wall. I I don't see it ending tonight. I think Tatum's going to come out and just torch them. I think it takes about 33 shots. Yeah, well. He needs to. He yeah. needs to for this team. I'm just like, the quotes coming out from uh, Brown and Smart being like, don't let us win one. Don't let us. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if like, you really need to give Jimmy Butler and the Heat more bulletin board material against your team. Like, 
I'm just worried yeah. that's going to piss off Jimmy because clearly he keeps receipts. It hasn't worked out so yeah, far. If he's taunting Al Horford over a timeout celebration, Jimmy keeps receipts. So I bet he's looking at that being like, yeah, we're going to come and we're going to end this season for you real quick. So if the Celtics win tonight, are they coming back? Ah, it's just it's so hard to do. 3 nothing, never, never been, been done. done. Like, I just... I can't, I can't see it. I think this Miami team is too mature and too poised. If it was a younger team, like, I think back to, uh, I don't know, maybe the Warriors in their first year or, like, Kevin Durant or also Westbrook, OKC Thunder. Like, a, a young team that has a lot of talent like that, if they were facing the pressure of, like, a comeback, I could see them folding. But this, this Heat team is too well put together to let it happen, I don't think. If the Heat end it tonight... I believe they will be the underdogs to win the championship. Yeah, yeah. The Nuggets would be minus two twenty-five. He would be plus two fifty. Where are you throwing your money? Ah, oh, God, it's so hard to pick because I think these teams match up so well. I think I gotta throw my money on Denver. They're just mm. they're built so well, like. I kind of look at if Denver's Denver's like a refined version of the Miami Heat. Like you have Bambi and Jokic kind of as the big men. You have Jamal and Jimmy, like. But the just the, the 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 surrounding players for Denver, I think, can do a bit more for you than the surrounding players in Miami. Like mm-hmm. in Miami, you have decent defenders, mostly just spot up shooters, whereas you have guys with a bit more to offer with your Bruce Browns and his playmaking. MPJ can score from inside and out, so. Yeah. I think it's going to come down to your role players. I didn't even mention Aaron Gordon and what he can do. I don't think anyone mentions Aaron Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird because he's played well since they traded for him. Yeah. He's, he's, a, sneaky, he's <laughs> a sneaky good piece on this team that, like, he was he was always one of those guys that, like, had talent, but then he, they gave him too much responsibility in Orlando. But then you go to uh, Denver, and then you play with a guy like Jokic, and then all you have to do is just cut to the basket and shoot a couple threes, and all of a sudden you look pretty good because <laughs> then you have guys around you making it so easy. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, to the point, original point, like I think I take Denver, but like it's it's such a coin toss that like who knows at the end of the day. Yeah, Spencer. I'm gonna say the Heat just because okay. I think the East was that much stronger, and I think they're a little bit more seasoned after their playoff run. But honestly, like, it's hard for me to say that because I really like this Denver team and I really like the way they're put together. But like Zolfi says, I think they're such similar teams. Yeah. That's going to be a crazy battle either way, so I'm excited for it if the Celtics don't come back. Right. We can't count we, them out yet. Can't count them out yet. It's never happened in NBA history, but I, you never know. It's got to happen one yeah. day. I want it to happen, like, to be Denver Heat just to, like, dismiss these stupid narratives of like oh like the nba is gonna lose out because it's not lakers celtics i get it the story franchises but like you can't tell me there's not going to be juice to this series of denver and uh, miami like it's probably gonna go six or seven games and you people forget these teams have a genuine beef like the Jokic brothers and the the morris brothers and the beef they had with oh, yeah. Jokic injuring yeah. uh one of the morrises 
And like there's oh, yeah, that there's that picture that. from outside the Nuggets locker room, and it looks like a scene out of like a mafia movie where all the Heat <laughs> players are just standing there wanting to confront Jokic. Like these guys have beef with yeah. each other, so there's gonna be juice in this series. And I think there's definitely some storylines there that you can you can go after. So I want to I want to see it happen because I think it's going to be a lot more exciting than a Lakers Celtics series would have been. I agree. I I for my money, I it I think it's hard to bet against the Nuggets, but also it's Jimmy Butler, and if it's his time, it's now. And yeah. I think that this is probably the last chance that this Heat team. Well, I say that, but they weren't <laughs> even supposed to be here to begin with, so. <laughs> Um, with house money. Yeah, I, I would love to see Jimmy finally get his ring. I think he deserves it. I think it's about time, and it will push him over that echelon of, yeah, he's just he's always been a really good player, but he can never lead a team to a championship, which we've heard for so many years now. And I think that him winning that championship would solidify him as one of the best clutch playoff performers ever. I don't even think that's hyperbole to even say that. I think he's no, just he's, he's, he, he is he's in that list. He like, doesn't try in the regular season and then he just a different light comes it's playoff Jimmy, like everyone says. I think my money is gonna be Nuggets, but I a part of me really wants Jimmy Butler to get that because you know, the Nuggets they have years to do with this. I don't think that core of Jokic and Murray are going anywhere. I just want I just want Butler to get his Gee, I I I'm always so torn on these narratives of like the, te- the team that needs to win now because their timeline's short and this other team has years to do this. People said that about the Celtics last year. Look <laughs> right. at them a year later. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that to dismiss the point, but like Warrior Celtics, you're like, oh, Steph needs to win one last one. The Celtics were, will be here. I, literally a year later, people are talking about like, is this team going to last? So right. that's why I'm so torn because once players play well and you get to a finals, people start asking for money and rosters get harder. So like, Definitely, it is the time for Butler and them to win it, but like, I'm slightly worried about Jokic and Murray being able to get back because these teams are gonna in the West are gonna like revamp and things like that. But like, I think basketball is the real winner at the end of the day. I agree. We're I just agree. gonna get good basketball, and it's gonna be so much fun to watch. I think this season has been so boring this year, and the playoffs have been anything but that, which is yeah. such a testament to how exciting these entire playoffs have been. I think it's also a testament to how the regular season is. And I think that that's another topic for another day. But yeah, we'll see what happens tonight with the game. Um, So that's, we all said Celtics. There's two Celtics, one Heat. Did anyone say they're closing out? I'm going with the Heat. You're going with the Hosa? I think they they gave Jimmy Butler a bit too much more bulletin material. And this dude, again, kept receipts. And I think he's coming to end this so he can give him him his team like two weeks rest. It is in Miami too. It is in Miami. Well, we got the receipts now. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens tonight. I think that that about wraps it up. We're approaching an hour. That is Insanity. I don't even think we were thinking of even talking to that long. Some boys talking ball. Just some boys talking ball. Yeah, yeah. And I think next time we can jump more into some free agency stuff. Some oh, we got all off some season. Raptors coaching. Yeah. Yeah. There's gonna be more playoff games. We're, we're gonna have the finals coming. We're up. We're starting this in the thick of like literally. I, I we could have started this like two weeks ago. It probably would have been a lot better <laughs> because then we could have had it. Oh, like looking at the heat. Yeah, we're, we're the the one game before the NBA finals. We were just like, yeah, we should probably get this going, shouldn't we? Ah, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to that. Um, the audio is probably not fantastic. We're going to work on it. You know, we're doing what we can here. Hey. All right, students. You know. It's only up from here. Hey, remember what Yana said. It's steps to success. There you go. See? 
This this was uh, <laughs> I, I don't even need to add to that. I think so that's I don't know if that was, was that, that Greek. Russian, it, it sounded pretty like Dracula. It sounded Romanian. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a pretty interesting way. All right, I'm gonna just leave it there. Yeah, uh, from all of us here, from Spencer, Zolfi, and Jake, this has been the Dream Team Podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Peace. Peace.